So yesterday, I'm going to finish up what we started yesterday about the, your faith being your manifestation. You know, we have to think more in terms of faith being the manifestation of what we've asked God for. There is a spiritual manifestation and there's also a natural manifestation. Well, faith is the spiritual manifestation of the promise that God has promised you. So the Bible says that faith is the substance. So faith has some weight and character to it. It's substance. Just like this podium is substance. Um, you know, we are substance. Everything that you see is substance. So faith is also substance. And something that is substantial has some weight to it. It has some characteristics to it. So it's not like faith can't be perceived in some way. Faith can very much be perceived. So as a spiritual substance, the Bible says it is the substance of something that you hope for. And you can finish that hope for to possess in the natural. So it's the building block of something that you hope will come to you or appear to you in the natural realm. So there must be two components to everything that we obtain from God. There's a spiritual component. Then there's a natural component. So faith is the spiritual component of what we hope for. Hope for means that you must set your heart on something real. It can't just be whatever God wants to give me kind of. It's a chicken prayer. Because the Bible is full of so many specific things. Don't call the dog if you want the cat. So if you want the cat, ask for the cat. I was sharing about uh, when I was looking for a house um, after uh, Aubrey passed away, I was I knew that I was going to have to move, and I'm, I decided to start moving immediately. And let me tell you why. Because your faith has to work even though you don't feel like working your faith. So, and God's trained me to, if I'm going to do something for him, or if I want him included, I have to make some move toward it. I'm not one of these people who sits and thinks about it for months and months and months and never does anything toward it. If I'm thinking about it, I'm putting something toward it. See what I'm saying? Moving toward it in some way, uh, you know, getting some information on it, you know, find it, pursue it, something. Because your faith has to work to keep you moving to the next place. And so I decided to start on that immediately. And I was always concerned about how much the house would cost. And I didn't want to have to pay for it, you know, make payments or anything like that. I wanted to just, you know, purchase the house outright and just be done with it. And then, you know, when you do that, you have to look at, well, um, what kind of income do I have? And, and, you know, I've got money saved up or I've got money in the bank or I had insurance money and things like that. But you don't want to spend all of that right away because, you know, I'm hoping to live a lot more years and I don't want to live in poverty because I went and bought a house that, you know. So this was my my problem is was going to see houses and feeling like I wanted to spend a certain amount, 
But when I saw the certain amount, I couldn't do everything, and I wanted to get some some land so that we can build a storage building for our vehicles for the ministry, you know, all that I had planned to do. And um, I kept, I would never tell God exactly what I wanted. I wouldn't do that. And, and because I felt if I committed myself to something, that meant that I would have to do that. And, and to be honest with you, I couldn't believe I was so wishy-washy about it because usually I'm, I'm not that way. But, you know, well, you know, a lot of things happen when, when your situation changes, you change. You know, you change on the inside, your perception changed. And I think God wanted me to stay the way I was. It's, it, it, it's like this. You can, can give in. Everybody knows that when you lose a spouse, you know, you, you just, you can't do everything like you used to do. It takes time to adjust to your new life and there's all kinds of reactions and you don't know, you don't plan for those things. So I didn't have a, a program that I could follow in case you're by yourself do these things. You know, you just don't, don't do live like that. And so there was a lot, lot of things that I needed to sort out, but then there was a plan that God always would have me follow and that never changes. You know, God's plan for you never changes and his method of working with you doesn't change. He may consider some things, but as much as he can, he wants to keep you moving forward in your life and and doing the things that you need to do. Because if you sit around and mope for two years, you're still going to have to get up and do something. You see, so he wants to keep you going even in the midst of some of these difficult situations. And I remember thinking about the kind of house I want, and I kept saying, no, I don't want to spend that money, and I don't think I can afford that, and all this kind of stuff. And I remember one one time being so pressured about it in my mind, and I just said, God, just give me a just give, make give me a house. And I felt my the words come out wonderful. And then the minute I said it, I want to take the words back because wonderful costs money. You understand what I'm saying? And and it it. It kind of baffled me that he would have to squeeze that out of me. You know, when usually, you know, you, you talk faith around Christians. Yeah, I'm a woman of faith and power and I just won't do, you know, God giving great, 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 big God. Bring, dream, bring, bring, bring. And we're always bragging about how big we can <laughs> dream in God and all this kind of stuff. And he has to force you to speak what's in your heart. Huh? I'm telling you, you know, God knows us and he knows what to do, but he has to get us to say it before he can act on it. Hmm? It won't come any other way. Romans nine ten. what does that say? We went over that uh, 10 and 8, Romans 10, 8. Let me go there for a minute so you can see. It says, but what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy. So it was in my heart all the time and in my mouth. I just wouldn't verbalize it. Huh? The word of faith must be expressed before God can move on something. So even though <clears throat> my faith had always been developed for a house, we went, we always went from a, a lesser house to a greater house. And I would, we would always say if there was something in our home that, that wasn't 
quite the way we wanted it. Aubrey and I would always tell each other, our next house will have. So the faith had always been there for the next house. Do you think the fact that my husband passed away meant any difference to God that he wasn't going to get it for me? I have faith for the house while hubby was alive. And the fact that he passed away didn't change the faith for the house. And it didn't change the fact that God was going to give it to me. God pays the bills, period. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so this is why from situation to situation, you have to hold on to what God told you. He told you before your circumstances went downhill. Do you understand what I'm saying? He promises us these things before we were even formed. He knew us and he promised and ordained our lives. So your mistakes in between the fact that God ordained you to serve him and all these things, the, your, the promise of God using you and making something great out of your life was made to you way before you even got here on earth to mess up anything. Hello. So the fact that we make mistakes, the fact that we have difficulties, the fact that we suffer losses has nothing whatsoever to do with whether or not God is going to give us what we desire. But he needs our faith in order to work with it. So I had the spiritual substance in me from a long time ago. Now it was time for the natural substance to come. And I had to give God something to work with. So he squeezed a confession out of me. The minute I said that word wonderful, I saw dollar signs going off everywhere. And I wanted to shut my mouth. And I said, oh, I said it now. He heard me. You understand what I'm saying? Your spirit has enough sense to understand what to do in every situation. And I knew that once I told God what really was in my heart that I wanted, there was no turning back. Isn't that amazing? And most things in that some now most things that we want, we're just trying to believe and believe and believe. And I hope God, I hope I'm hearing from God, right? I hope he's going to get to me. When is it coming? When is it coming? And then you get in a situation where he wants to do something wonderful for you and he has to squeeze it out of you. And once you confess it, you know that you're stuck with it. Go figure. Go figure. Huh? And that's very different than the way my faith usually operates. Usually I'm, oh God, now I gotta pray for money for the ministry bills and this thing and saying, oh God, please let it come in, God. I hope we didn't mess up the money, God. Oh God, you know, who's gonna pay the, you know, giving the offering? Where's the offering? Things for a conference. Oh God, let's put it, and you know, pulling and pulling and pulling. You know, you got confidence in God, but it's almost like a struggle to keep yourself in faith, to believe him for these things to come in and they're necessary average things that you normally need. And then he wants to do something for you and he's got to almost put a gun in your back to get you to confess it so he can give it to you because you're scared of the cost of it. Hmm? Well, I'll speak to somebody who's waiting for marriage reconciliation or something. Huh? So it gets that way. There are some things that we want, 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 want. And we're where we want them. And the fact that we want them so much sometimes put a fear in us that we won't get them. And there's things that we know God wants to do for us. And he almost has to to tie us down and hold us hostage and beat us under a, a naked, you know, light bulb to get us to confess <laughs> huh? what we want. huh? And they're normal things. 
It's not like we're asking him to make us, you know, Beyonce or something. <laughs> it's just normal things. We're not asking for, you know, anything that, you know, we would have to have a ton of plastic surgery for and stuff. Just average stuff. But that is the funny thing about faith and how it operates in the human being. It has to push past the resistance of the natural realm, whether it's the limitations of your soul or your flesh, whether it's the limitations of your negative experiences. Sometimes it's your lack of desire. You know, when you when you lose a spouse, you, you don't want you, you think I don't want the house now. If I can't have my husband in the house, I want it. You know, you just get stuck somewhere like, I don't care. But you've got to to let God put these things in your life because when you snap out of that or when you're when you you have come to a place where you're more like your normal self, then you'll appreciate that God put those things in your life so that you have a normal life the way he planned for it to be. And so these are the things that you have to understand, that your faith, the faith that comes out of your born-again spirit, can penetrate through all of these resistances. But it has to, it has to, to come through. It has to come through. Your faith has got to be established in the earth in order for God to move on something that he wants you to have. So the word is, it's real close to you. So that's a comforting scripture because you don't have to wait for God to do anything for you to exercise your faith. All you have to do is understand that from the process of hearing the word, faith for something from God has been developing on the inside of you. And sometimes it's just a natural result of walking day by day with God and believing him and not giving up and not quitting. Mark 11:23 tells us something interesting that is true about the supernatural faith of God. This is how it works. And sometimes we feel that oh gosh, that's so hard to get that to happen. You know, we, we just always think of the things related to the spirit of God as being hard things. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're not hard, but they're not easy either, but they're, but you have to be consistent in them. And I think this is <clears throat> the whole key, the consistency and persistence factor, because God has to have something in us that's like him. And he is faithful. So he's developing in us more of his character while we are exercising our faith just to live a normal life down here. So really you should increase in God likeness as you use your faith, as your faith is developed. So the character of God gets uh, rooted more on the inside of you. Bible says that that we have these great and precious promises that by them we might be partakers of his divine nature. So pursuing the promises help us to partake of his divine nature. In other words, you can't embrace what's his without embracing him. No way you can do it. 
There has to be a deposit of his essence on the inside of you. So this is why we we must use our faith. The faith must be developed. So then the word becomes a part of your believing and your saying. The word always must be a part of your believing and your saying. And when I say saying, I mean the way your your mind processes what you know and what you experience has to be filtered through the word of God. So you have to come up with God's answers in all these situations. Got to come up with God's answers. So Mark eleven twenty three 23 tells us, verse 22 says, have faith in God. And in the Bible also, one translation says, have the faith of God. So we're talking about supernatural faith, not just mere human faith. A supernatural faith only works in God's word. We said that human faith works differently. Human faith works in the natural realm. So whenever we have supernatural, we whenever we believe God's word, we open the door in our hearts to supernatural faith. So we're actually using God's faith when we use his word. We speak the word, when we pray the word, we are using God's faith. You can tell God's faith is different than ours. It comes from a deeper place in you, comes from your heart. There's almost almost a flow of it out of you. It's kind of an effortless. Sometimes when you pray, when God really anoints your prayers or his presence is there, it's almost like a it rolls out of you. You know, it just is a flow that comes out of you, whether you pray in the spirit or pray in the natural. So he says, for truly I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. So the issue then of receiving anything from God is number one, you must believe that what comes out of your mouth will happen. So you got to believe that your mouth now has supernatural credibility. And you can't be afraid of your words. Hmm? Not sure about what to say or how to confess or anything like that. There has to be a certainty in you that comes out. He says, believe and not doubt. And believe that what you say will happen will happen. Hmm? You have to believe in the end result of your faith. You can't just go on believing something forever and it not happen. You've got to believe that it's going to happen. The best way to know that or believe that it will happen, I think, and this works for me, is to take you out of it. This is God's word. This is God's faith. God is faithful. His word will come to pass. He's he's no respecter of persons. Because if you take you out of it, it won't it won't depend on you feeling spiritual or not. Or you feeling good about it or not. Or you feeling right with God or not. It won't depend on feelings and perceptions. It will depend totally on God's character and his word. He said, therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them 
and you shall have them. So at the time the prayer is made, you must believe that you got it then. And you did get it then. So, see, God is never asking us to pretend anything. Hello? Because there's no deception or trickery in him. There's no guile in him. And so he's not asking us to believe and make it up and pretend with ourselves that we got something. He's asking us to understand exactly what happens when you pray. I think, I mean, I think if you understand what really happens, then you can believe it easily. Much more saying, I believe I received when I prayed. Did I believe I received when I prayed? Let me think, when was the first time I prayed? Because, you know, I prayed about this a lot. You know, you have to understand what happens in order to believe it. Bible says in all you're getting, get understanding. Knowledge is a principal thing, but in all you're getting, get understanding. So if you don't understand what happens when you pray, then you can't believe in anything. You can't believe that any more than, uh, you know, believe I receive when I pray. Well, how come I can't wait until I get it to believe I received it? Hmm? What's wrong with, with not believing? Won't it give it to me if I can't do that? Well, let I me, mean, we ask ourselves those things. Hmm? Well, I think I'm going to get it anyway. I'm not sure if I believed it when I prayed. So you have to understand what happens when you pray. So when you pray, God actually assures you. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So the first order of business for you to do is to ask in faith. If you sow faith, you'll get faith. Yes? If you if you read the Bible and you think God's talking to you in that scripture. Say, for instance, you have a child that is giving trouble at school. And, um, you know, you, you just don't know which way to go. And he's causing trouble there's you know they're going to throw him out or something like that and you read in the bible and it says says all thy children shall be taught of the lord and great shall be the peace of thy children and you said you know what i think god's talking to me here and so when you decide that he is speaking to you and you decide that you want to believe it and you want it to happen for you that's faith the faith in that word comes into you first and you begin to talk to God about it. And, I, and you say, well, God, you know what? I believe that you're going to work with my child. And I believe that he will be taught of you and great will be his peace. So let me start teaching him about you now. And I thank you, Father, that he's learning your ways even now. And he is a child of great peace. And I see him peaceful right now. And I thank you for that. So you have just prayed and you believed that you got it right then. Even when little Johnny comes in and he's not acting any different, you believe that you received it. And you know why you do? Because you don't change your mind about it. You might change it for a little bit when you see him acting up, but you know that God's word is true. 
And many times it's simply a decision as to what do you want to see come to pass. Do you want him to continue to be a rebellious kid or do you want to see the word of God come to pass? And so when you believe that word, you've received the faith to put it forth to God in agreement with him. And when you begin to speak that word back to God, you come into agreement with him. And so you extend what faith you have in that scripture toward God. And then he in turn gives you a faith assurance, a substance, a bigger substance to hold on to. So what we do when we pray is we offer up the faith that we have before God. And you say, God, I really want to see this happen. And I believe that even little Johnny, you can work with him and this will come to pass for him. So, Father, just let's let me agree with you and start working. Show me what I need to do to help to bring this to pass and show me what I need to do to teach him your ways and great. And so he can be in great peace. And so then God gives you more of the substance of faith. So what you're doing is you're offering up what you have. And then he's returning to you a greater tool for you to carry out down here on earth so that you can see that promise come to pass. And so when you believe that you've received a peaceful child on the inside of you, uh, you pray and you believe that you received that answer. You will get a witness, a confirmation. You will get a substance inside of you that is a constant reminder to you that God is working in that situation and that there may be things and steps that you must take in order to fulfill your end of it. But that's what you're working toward. The end of it is great will be the peace of your children. And so he says that when you pray, believe that you have received it then and you'll have it. So what did you receive? You received a greater measure of faith to help you carry out what you need to carry out for that to happen. You received that thing in a spiritual material. So what you offered up to God was the amount that you had for it. And then God in turn returns to you a greater amount so that you can carry it out. You won't have that greater amount until you either confess it to him, extend it to him, and ask you. See, that's having faith in God. You're putting your faith over in God. See, there are people who see the promises of God and then run off and try to do stuff on their own and never talk to God about it. So they never get the direction. You ever see people that really want to have uh, um, a success or a, a, a business of their own and, and good things coming? It's somehow they keep running around, making contacts, doing things, and nothing ever happens right. Well, they never did this part of it. They never went before God and believed they received anything. They believe on the inside that they're supposed to have it. But they never got to talk to God about it and believe they received. See, some people just grab promises and run. They don't take adopt God as the source of it and God is their partner in things and seek his direction, seek his wisdom, seek his guidance. See, and that spiritual substance that God gives you is everything that you need to receive that promise. Didn't we say your faith, that spiritual substance that you get is a seed for the end result. 
And every seed has within it everything <clears throat> that pertains to that particular plant. You ever get a packet of seeds on the packet, these big, plump, ripe tomatoes, and you open that envelope and you think, how can them big old things come from these little bitty things sitting in the corner? You can't even see some of them. You know, some seeds, some like flower seeds. I've tried to plant flowers <laughs> and, uh, you know, you open the envelope and it was windy. They just fly all everywhere. I said, well, I guess we have the neighbor will have seeds and, you know, we have seeds all over this neighborhood because they're, some of them are so light. But, you know, when that flower comes, it's this huge, wonderful thing, you know, it, because everything is in it. Some of the, the most beautiful flowers start off real ugly. Like if you plant like bulbs, you, you know, plant tulips and, and stuff like that, the bulbs are real bulky and ugly. And then the flower comes up and it's beautiful and it comes up every single year, you know, because the bulb root never dies. And so that seed then, what, what God gives you as, as your deposit of faith, the substance of faith, the spiritual substance of the thing that you hope for is the seed from which it develops. Now, how do seeds develop? Nobody knows. I'll answer that question. <laughs> huh? And that what Jesus said? He says it, you, it, you, that seed is planted and it goes in the ground and no man knows how this happens. But what you see is this first the blade, then the ear, then the full ear of the corn. And so there's a, a something that happens in the dark of the earth when that seed is planted. And only God knows what that is. And the reason he don't tell you, because if he told you, you messed that up too. Huh? Well, I don't know if I want that on my plant, God. Let me fix that up. What you going to do today? Uh-uh, I don't think we ought to do that today, God. I think we ought to do something else. Huh? The Bible says you're supposed to put it in the earth and forget about it. Huh? Absolutely. And then the Holy Spirit will nudge you when it's time to water it with a little more of your confession. Sometimes you'll you'll talk to somebody, the wrong person. You ever talk to the wrong person about what you're praying for? And from that that one conversation, you can almost get robbed. Huh? It wasn't edifying. It didn't strengthen what you were believing God for. It did absolutely nothing for you. And it kind of robbed you. And then your soul kind of goes tilt. This used to happen. Sometimes it happens in, in places where um, there are a lot of young Christians sometimes or, or uh, sometimes you'll go into meetings where people just there's a free sharing of, of information. You know what I'm saying? Of course, you know, nobody can control everything that's said to them. You got to know how to stand on God's word. And sometimes it is God testing you to see what you really believe. But you can go into places sometimes where you'll have 15 failures at something and you're trying to believe for it. You know, it used to happen all the time when you go somewhere and you wanted to believe God for healing. And seven people would come up to you and tell you about somebody who used to believe that and they died. Or, you know, I believe for that and I forgot. I said, I forget it. I wound up having a surgery anyway. It just seems like that kind of noise will gravitate to you when you're just a young little plant trying to stand up. You know, here comes somebody with a big shoe to step on you and kill you. And so God will will help you to stand upright in what you believe. 
And you'll find something go off in you and you'll say, now, God, come on, God, you know, you told me you were going to do this. And why is it that all these people around here, nobody ever gets healed? Well, number one, God wants you to know you're in the wrong place. If you want to be healed, huh? Go where there's some water, some more faith to add to the faith that you have, because this may be a walk for you. And he will show you that you can stand even in the midst of adversity because you're built on the rock. Hmm? Your roots are tied around the rock, Christ Jesus. And those roots are holding. So all you need to do is move yourself to a place where there's there's uh, water flowing hmm? and there's refreshing for your spirit. It's amazing how your 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 promise, the promises revived in your heart by the atmosphere you're in. And you think to yourself, now what's going on here? When I'm over here with the dead people, I don't believe in healing. Then I come to somebody in a healing service. Everybody believes and I feel wonderful. Hmm. Wonder what I should do. Huh? Well, it'll shock you how many people go back to the dead place and never get healed too. You know, that's how the enemy kills a lot of people. Keeping them in the dead place and they don't get their healing. And so we have to be careful when we are carrying The promise. Be careful when you're carrying. Because you want that promise to grow to its fullness. You want it to come to pass. You don't want it to be miscarried. But it can be miscarried. By being in an atmosphere that does not support what you believe. And you believe the word of God. You must make sure that you're believing the word of God. The other part of this is that when you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anybody, he says, because if you don't forgive, your father won't forgive you either. Now, what does that have to do with you getting what you want? Everything. Righteousness is the key to the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. That is the first thing that you receive when you enter into God's kingdom. Righteousness puts you in the covenant. Righteousness is your entitlement to what God has. So he doesn't want us to have any unrighteousness inside of us for our good. It's not because God wants to give us a hard time. And he ought to understand, I can't stand Bubba. I mean, you know, it can't nobody, don't nobody like him. No God will know that, huh? But see, the thing of it is, he wants you to do it for you. Because unforgiveness will hinder the growth of your spirit. It'll hinder that promise from coming to pass for you. Hmm? What's the Bible said? That weeds choke out the word. So it'll choke the word out of you at some level. Well, I don't see what, what hating Bubba's got to do with me getting a new car. Everything. If you want it from a holy God, it's got everything to do with that. In fact, maybe you need to just pray that God will bless Bubba with a car and you might get yours sooner. Put that down. I want that finger shot off. <laughs> Put it down. I don't mess with nobody today. But see, we'll do that for other people. How many of you know what you bless somebody with, God will give it to you? You know that. What you sow into somebody's life, he was sowing. <laughs> Y'all better help me around here. Huh? It's true. 
Love your enemies. Huh? And see, we want to see brother on the bus because he treated us wrong. Or worse, under the bus. It's the truth. Y'all know that. Huh? But it will make all the difference in the world. Uh, it will make all the difference in the world. Okay, praise God. Well, you can start with a scooter. You don't have to have no, no whole car. You give him a scooter. A regular bus pass so he don't get kicked off the bus. Um, so this is, this is the essence of it. Keeping right relationships with people. Believing you receive when you pray. It's essential. And you have received something. You have received that in a spiritual form. Faith is spiritual substance from which the promises are made. So your spirit is more like a little manufacturing place. So as long as you're feeding yourself the word of God, you are constantly adding to that which you believe. It's being made on the inside of you. You ever see some people, uh, I've seen people restore cars. You know, when I started looking for this house, I saw uh, a lot of the houses we went to, you would always see somebody with an extra building on the property. And oftentimes they would restore cars. And they would, you would see a car that was partially restored and somebody was always waiting on something. You know, well, I ordered a so-and-so kind of engine or so-and-so kind of part. They would take almost forever to restore one car. But every time they went back to what they had started on, they could always put the next piece in there. So there was no rush as far as time was concerned. If it was held up because they needed one thing or another, it, that work was revived when they got the rest of the, the piece to it. And that's the way your spirit is. There's a lot of things that you have in your spirit in little pieces and fragments. And as you feed on the word of God and feed yourself faith, those fragments get put together. A little bit more gets added to it. A little bit more gets added to it. And you receive that thing in the total. Sometimes we get partial things. Hmm? Now, you all know that. We we had our list of what we wanted in something that we, you know, we we wanted, but it didn't come with everything. Mm-hmm. Now, how many of you done that? You Well, I want this car. I want, I want this, this, and this on it. And something happens. Huh? Something happens. Your faith was developed to a point. How many of you have gotten something and it had everything you wanted except for one thing was not, and you took it, right? You should have continued in faith because you'd have had what you wanted exceeding and abundantly above all. But you know what we happen? We get faith fatigue or we get work fatigue. And we say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, it practically killing me to believe you for what I got right there. Let me have it. Let me off the hook so I don't have to. Huh? True. Your flesh does that to you. Huh? Well, Lord, I did want him to have two legs, but if one's short than another one, I guess I can walk with him in. <laughs> Chester. 
course, some most of y'all too young for that. I mean, you know, you only remember that, so don't pretend. But uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, don't we? Everybody's limping a little bit with something that we didn't quite let God develop fully in us, or we let the enemy rob our faith for the whole thing. He'll tell you you're greedy. That's why you want that. Well, who you think you are telling God exactly what you want like that? Little arrogant thing. Well, if I was you, I'd humble myself and take. Well, you humbled yourself already when you believed you received when you prayed. Huh? So then you got the confidence in God and you went forth building what it was that God had for you. And so you want him to complete. He's a completer. It says Jesus is the author and the completer of our faith. So we went off with some like incomplete faith. Something incomplete. And so, yeah, remember, I remember when I was in, most of y'all don't remember this, so just indulge me. Humor me, huh? But I can remember a lot of things when I was a nursing student that we were we would teach expectant mothers in uh you know in the clinics and stuff um that women don't do now and it was you know sometimes it was really rare that you had anybody that a lot of premature babies it just seems like now that they're able to take care of them better somehow there's more of them but i think there's more of them because people just don't care for themselves you know, you had a sheet of paper and it said third trimester. You know, we assume nobody was working eight hours a day. You understand what I'm saying? And put your feet up for at least two hours in the afternoon. Get off your feet, relax and rest yourself. You know, they treated women like, you know, they had something precious on the inside of them. Huh? Now, and you'd every now and then you'd hear somebody tell a story about, over in the jungle somewhere. Well, you know, those women work in the fields and go go home, have a baby, and come back in the field. Uh, listen, we ain't there. Praise God. You know, <laughs> you get all these stories. Somehow that seemed more glamorous to American women than, you know, just take it easy, you know, be normal. And it just seems like whenever there's a, a challenge to the baby being born prematurely, the first thing they do is put the mother to bed. And that's no coincidence because there has to be a place where there's some some understanding that you're developing something precious here. And you have to be careful what you expose yourself to food wise. You have to be careful of the amount of exercise you'll exert yourself. All of that. Come. Be careful what you expose yourself to when you're carrying the promises of God. You have to be in atmospheres where people will constantly encourage your faith and feed you more of the word of God. So that thing can grow to the fullness. You don't want all your promises to come here on life support. Then we got another drama like, you know, with that girl's husband down there in Florida. You see what I'm saying? When do we get rid of this thing, take it off life support and start all over again? You know, there are a lot of things people have tried to believe God for their own life support. You need to either take it off life support, start all over again or, you know, do something different. But the nice thing about God, once he starts something, he will complete it. If there's something that, like we used to say, my next house will have. You know, if you got a house and it wasn't quite like, well, use the same faith you had going for this one, put it into the next house. But make sure you get what your heart desires. You've got to get those things because God wants us to be happy and content in our lives. And you can only do that if you get what's in your heart. 
You're not making that stuff up that's in there. God put that in there. You uh, listen, you couldn't you couldn't figure out what you needed <laughs> from day to day anyway. Get real. There are promises from him to you. And he tells you exactly what you like, what you don't like. You ever get something you say, you know, I never really thought I'd like this, but I like this. (laughs) If you're a child of God and you prayed for it, he said, now why is she down there asking for that? She knows she don't like that kind of stuff. Huh? Go get her. Whatever, whatever. Huh? My big dilemma now is what, what will my next car be? Huh? Because, you know, the car, <laughs> she's laughing at. <laughs> Please. We need to stay at the front of the alphabet. Thank you. Hmm? Nothing I like start with, nothing down to end in the alphabet. I'm up in the front. But, you know, my my car is 10 years old now, and I'm thinking, okay, God, what do we do now? You understand what I'm saying? Because, you know, them them things brand new, big bucks, honey. We need second and third mortgage just to go in there and look at them things. And so, you know, but I know God will take care of it. He'll take care of it. He'll take care of me. You know, I used to, I don't know, I, you know how pretentious I get sometimes about some things, but, you know. <laughs> We had a, a little clunker car, I think, when I was first married. Uh, it belonged to either Shirley or my sister Louise, and everybody drove it when their car was out of commission. And so I remember having to go over there and get it one time. I thought, oh, I, got oh, I was just dying to get over there. So I told Shirley, I, told Shirley I needed babushka shades to drive. <laughs> go to work sitting there driving that thing and i think you had to have a knife to start it up and oh it's horrible i was so glad i oh i was so glad we got rid of that little car but everybody it ran all the time <laughs> it was more reliable than our nice cars were but uh you know what i'm saying but anyway i know the lord will provide it's already in there what my next car is so i just don't want to get sticker shock when i get it so all right. So in anyway, so Mark eleven twenty three, we talked about that. Now Mark nine, I'm going to show you something kind of interesting, and we can probably finish up here. I'm going to talk about faithlessness because there is a point of faithlessness, or little faith, or a place where you're not not really understanding faith. You know, I hate to tell people that they don't have faith, but that's really true. You know, but you have to make sure you're talking to somebody who wants to develop their faith because you can encourage people who are not in faith that they are if you don't just tell them the truth. You know, so you need to make sure that people you're dealing with understand what you're talking about. So in Mark uh, verse 9, Start in verse 14. When he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. Straight away, all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, running to salute him. And he asked his disciples, speaking of Jesus, why question ye with them? 
T.S. scribes, I'm sorry. Why are you questioning with them? Why are you questioning them? Now, one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. And wherever he takes him, he tears him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pines away. And I talked to those disciples of yours that they should cast him out, and they couldn't do it. They didn't have the goods. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, he's talking to everybody, not just the disciples. Okay, This is not just a rebuke to the disciples. He's talking to everybody there. He says, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer with you? Or how long will I put up with you? Bring him unto me. So the problem Jesus discerned very quickly was they were trying to work miracles in the atmosphere of confusion, questioning, doubt. When you see the scribes, you know right there no mighty deeds are going to be done because they ain't there in faith. They're there to question Jesus. They're there to put a stop to things. They're there in jealousy. They're there in the backbite and hinder the miracle working process. So Jesus rebukes everybody. And he says, bring him to me. In other words, bring him to somebody who has faith. Bring him out of that atmosphere of confusion over into a faith atmosphere. You can change your believing by changing atmospheres. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him right away, the spirit tore him and he fell to the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long uh, is it ago since this came to him? And he said, of a child. So Jesus decides he's going to ask a question that I wouldn't ask. Huh? Most normal preachers that are just depending on God. Would not want to, you know, people will come up, some lady came up and, and, you know, you all know how we, we do the healing schools. This was in Cleveland. I don't think you guys were there at that time, but, um, there was, there were a couple of people I knew I was supposed to pray for. You know, it's usually people with something wrong with their walking or a cane or something like that. It's just the way God leads me to get things started. So, you know, <laughs> you got to get, get, get something going on. And so when he decides he wants to release his power, he will release it in a certain way. And so then then my faith is strong for what happens there, but it ain't but so strong. Because what I'll do is I'm hoping that when I begin to see these people, he's already decided their faith is good. Everything's good. It's all good, Barb. All you got to do is go Walk, you know, and I tell him what Ernest Ainsley <laughs> borrowed off of him. I mean, this is the way you learn. This is what you do. You see people who are anointed with results and you do what they do. If it's in your heart, you know, it's some stir something in your heart. And so Ernest Ainsley would always yank people out of wheelchairs and say, many people have been healed as they walked with servants of God. And that's what I tell him. I said, you're going to walk here with me. Did you know a lot of people get healed when they walk with servants of God? And we just walk. And if they stay in faith and and continue to obey and obey the spirit of faith, they'll get what they need to get. 
So, but most people who are either on crutches and wheelchairs, you hope it's like a sprained something or a, you don't ever want to hear the word disc, rod, metal, surgery, anything like that. That's why I don't ask them nothing. Because I do better. My faith works better when I don't have history. See what I'm saying? Jesus could do it, though. And let me tell you why he did it. He did it so that glory would be brought to the Father. He's always thinking of, how can I build it up for the great finale, where they will know that you are God from the beginning to you? I mean, this is the way his, his mind operates. Man will work like that. Don't tell me nothing y'all got before. And let my little faith work, you know, let my little corner faith work. But you understand what I'm saying. He has such a confidence. Why? Because the Bible says he had the spirit without measure. He doesn't just have a measure of the spirit. We have a measure, but he has it in full force. So everything God would want to have done in a healing meeting ever was done with Jesus. He had the best healing meetings you could ever have. He, he, he maxed out on the perfection of healing meetings. So he wasn't afraid to ask how long because his soul was not manipulated by history because his power was from the beginning of the earth. What does he care how long this has happened? So he's building a crowd. He's getting the crowd to focus on what he's about to do. So the guy says, since he was a child, verse 22, and oft times it has cast him into the fire, into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. So this man's measure of faith is iffy. He tells Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, this man never said, please heal my son. He didn't even ask for healing. He just asked for help. Huh? And, and Jesus said, if you can believe. If you can, he's still demanding faith. He tells the man, if you can believe, he says, all things are possible to him who believes. So Jesus tells them that they're a faithless generation huh? first. Then he brings the child over. He asks the father to spill his guts. Now, a lot of times Jesus has another motive here for telling telling people to do certain things. Sometimes, you ever notice when you pray, if you're real upset about something, your confession's really bad? Oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, <laughs> we all do it. Don't, don't tell me you just go, well, Lord, I'm just activating my covenant with you. Them bills slap you upside your head left and right and ain't no good news in your mailbox. It's blubbering, slobbering. Confession is shot. Huh? Everything's shot. What this does sometimes, but you ever notice too that at some point you do recover? Huh? It's like you gotta get that off your chest. You gotta get it out of your system. You got to be able to tell somebody how this stuff has really hit you in your soul. And this is all Jesus is doing. He's allowing him to get this stuff out of him because Jesus knows this is part of the problem. This man's got a long history of dealing with this sick child. 
And Jesus knows that his experience with this kid is probably hindering his faith. So Jesus is saying, okay, tell me about it. Just spill your guts out. Let it all hang out. Let it flow. Let it ride. Let it roll. And so the guy then empties himself of all of his unbelief based on the history that this kid has. And this has got unbelief has to be dealt with before if you can believe comes about. So Jesus lets him empty himself of, because hmm? the minute a guy says, he, he tells him about his history, he's always throwing him in the water and the fire, then he stops himself. That's where he's emptied himself out of the bad history. But he, then he turns around, turns his faith around. So at the end of every conversation of unbelief, there should be a statement of faith if you're going to get God to do something for you. So he says here, he says, but if you can do anything. So here we have asking God to do anything. Well, that is some faith, folks. Huh? If you can do anything, I'm asking you to help me. And Jesus is pretty much telling him, you know, faith is your problem. He says here, if you can believe, all things are possible to him to believe. So Jesus helps him. Hello. Then he help him. He tells him what the problem is. The problem is not the kid. The problem is still your faith. So he helps him to understand that his believing is the problem. So he says, if you can believe, I can help you. He said, because everything's possible to him who believes. And right away, the next thing that pops out of this guy's mouth is the truth. His confession, God, I believe some, but help my unbelief. He said, I want to believe you. He said, I do believe. I've seen you do this before. But when it comes to me, I ain't just so sure. So could you help that part of me? I want to believe. I can believe, but then I can't believe. That's where we sit a lot of times. That's why we don't have everything we want from God immediately. We believe, but we don't believe. We can believe, but we can't believe. If this thing were possible, I'm telling you, I would really jump in there and want to get it from God. But I'm just not so sure. And Jesus, help thou my unbelief. Verse 24, when Jesus saw that the people came running together. Hello. Got to have a big enough crowd to give God glory. You see, he's working to alleviate the problem, but he's also working to help the rest of the people, too. This is why, you know, God will call certain people out in an audience, call certain ailments out, because people need to know what he can do. He need They need to know that he's a healer. And he says, when all the people ran together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying to him, you deaf and dumb spirit, I charge you, come out of him and enter into him no more. And the spirit cried and ran him sore, and he fell as one who was dead. And everybody said he's dead. A lot of this stuff, he's doing it for the benefit of the people, folks. He's doing it for the benefit of the people. Sometimes some things happen so dramatically. huh? Drama helps your memory. To remember what you saw and how it happened. Huh? So the reason Jesus is putting on this big drama is so that the people, could you imagine him talking to this spirit? He said, come out of him. Bam. 
and the die boy drops down like he's dead and everybody's <gasps> he killed him huh it's because there's so much unbelief in that atmosphere jesus has to work these people and work them out of the same unbelief he just worked this man out of so much of this stuff he does to make sure he leaves that place changed because this boy is the catalyst healing to get the healing meeting started. If he doesn't do this in a dramatic fashion to show these people that everybody there that's sick can be healed, nothing good there is going to happen. So Jesus is not just healing the one person there. Was He wants everybody well. He sees everybody healed in that place. So a lot of the things you'll see him do are geared toward getting more faith into people who are standing around and watching. The disciples need to have a shot of faith, too, because they were crazy enough to let the scribes talk them out of the faith that they had. That's why they couldn't heal the boy. And so he says, come and enter in him no more. The spirit cried out and ran him sore, came out as he of him. And he was as one dead. He was slain in the spirit. This is what we know about. Why do you think God has people fall down? He could heal them standing up, walking around, whatever, whatever. They fall down to demonstrate the power of God. It's a demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. And that's not all. They, oftentimes they need to lay out so God can work on them. You know, that's just the way it is. You lay down in the hospital in surgery, you can lay down for the great physician to help you. Same thing. It says, many said he is dead, but Jesus took him up by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. When he was come to his house, his disciples asked him and said, why couldn't we cast him out? He said, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. But he was talking about unbelief. He wasn't talking about the demon and the boy. You can't have somebody, you can't have a meeting and have somebody foaming at the mouth and then decide, oh, this is the one that I got to pray and fast for. It doesn't make sense. But in another another account of this story, he says, he answered them, said, and because of your unbelief. And then he said, unbelief, this kind, unbelief, comes out only by prayer and fasting. And then you can stand up to the scribes and not st- let them steal your little faith away. But he tells them, this man tells him, I believe some, but I doubt some. And then he asked Jesus to help my unbelief. And this is sometimes why we have like a partial or partial, uh, you know, release of something or we get almost what we want and we accept it and don't get the full thing because we believe some and then we don't believe. See, we believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. But what happened at the end, this boy got healed. Why? Because Jesus always helps your unbelief. The word of God going back to the word, going back to the promise. See, many times we'll get so weary in in wanting or weary in well-doing or weary in wanting what God has for us, that we'll accept whatever it is that the enemy uh, wants to give us or we'll accept him stealing part of it. But that is not the way God wants it for us. He wants us to receive everything that he has for us. And so when he, this guy tells him, I believe, Lord, help thou my unbelief, Jesus must have helped his unbelief because the boy got healed. Jesus could tell immediately when the doubt left that dad and he could go ahead and heal that boy. 
So if you ever see in the next instance, instance, they got what they asked for. It must be that Jesus made the difference. The word of God always makes the difference. If there's something you need from, from God and you think you're almost there, feed more of the word on to your spirit. Meditate on that thing more because the word will make the difference. And see, that thing will come through just the way God promised it to you and just the way you asked for it. Because you ever notice that some things we more serious about than others? Huh? We want that money to come in right on time. We want it to be enough to do everything and extra besides and all that stuff. Huh? We don't quit on the partial on some things. So your soul must in some way manipulate you with your feelings that this is real important for me to do it this way. And this quite ain't so important. I can just go with halfway here. But you can't. Because Jesus put that in your heart to have. And it's better to obey him and get exactly what's in your heart than to let your soul talk you out of it. You know why? It makes God look goofy. If we accept what our soul tells us is God, then it makes God look a little goofy. Huh? Like he can't make up his mind what he wants us to have. Hmm? Amy Simple McPherson blew everybody's mind. Somebody asked her to pray for their child. The child was born with no eyeballs. And they wanted a creative miracle in her eyes. And Amy was the kind of person, you know, some people have like a, 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 a faith track with God. They just get on there and they can get anything they want. They're just free like that. That's the way she was. She'd have a stack of prayer cards from the night before and get up around noon and start praying. God, thank you for giving. Well, give so-and-so. Oh, Lord. Oh, you know how she talked. Woo, Holy Ghost. And she, woo, give brother so-and-so. Woo. And people would report about the time she prayed manifestations would happen in their homes where they were. It's just She just could zoom in like that. It's a relationship, folks. And so she had one of the situations where the parents brought her child and she said, what color eyes do you want? What color eyes? So God is that specific. There was something in the parents. They had something in their heart that they wanted that child to look like when before that child was born. But because she had no eyes, people think you're supposed to be dead. Well, any color eyes, as long as you can see. But what did originally the parents envision that child to look like when that child, well, that's what God wants to give them. You see what I'm saying? So he's like that, folks. He wants to give us exactly what we want. So we can believe and override doubt. That's what he wants us to do. It's simply doubt that comes in that says we can't have God's best. Who you think you are? Getting the color eyes you want for your kids. When confronted with natural evidence or circumstances contrary to the faith you have, do you let go of the faith or do you hold on to it? What is holding your faith hostage? Is it that you don't think God would do it for you? Or are you limiting God? Do you think he's limited like you are? What keeps you from believing totally? Is it fear, doubt, pride, self-doubt? The meek always get the inheritance. Understand that. And if you humble yourself to continue to believe what God told you, no matter how outrageous it is, 
And how many people think will tell you he doesn't do that for people? Then you will get what it is that he's promised you. He establishes his covenant with us through our faith. And he wants glory out of the things that we possess. Uh-huh. The greater the things, the greater the glory. That's the way God says it. He wants people's eyeballs to stretch when they see. That's why we're called the glorious bride. Huh? Because he wants to make us a spectacle to people. I mean, not spectacle like negative, but he wants to make us spectacular. That people would see us and see our lives and glorify our Father who's in heaven. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for the word of faith and for the word that has been put in our ears and our hearing. And, Lord, we bless you right now because we thank you that you understand us and you understand our need. And we need to understand these things, Father, apparently, because you're giving them to us in a fresh, in a new way, a way that will help us at the level of our growth right now. So we thank you, Lord, for the hearing of faith. We thank you for the word of faith. We thank you for the strong faith that has come into us right now by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Refresh everybody here in their faith, Father. Fan the flames of their spirit once again to refresh themselves in what they originally have asked you for. We thank you, Lord, for refreshing in that. We bless you, Father. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.